All right, we are back to podcast, and uh, you can go to second. Or I'm sorry, First Samuel chapter fourteen. First Samuel chapter number fourteen. And I uh, hope everyone's had a good week. We are thankful and uh, grateful for the good week that God's given us so far. And uh, looking forward to Sunday. And I pray that everybody will be there in their place and faithful to uh, to fellowship with each other and with the Lord. So First uh, Samuel chapter number 14. We uh, beginning, we really in essence have already begun Paul's slide uh, into his fall, or I'm um, Saul's Paul, Saul's slide into his fall. But today it, it begins to culminate, and we'll basically finish off in the very next chapter. Um, you will see Samuel basically wipe his hands of Saul, and when that happens. Um, that in essence seals his doom. Uh, God wipes his hands of him. Um, so Saul, this thing has been a mess. God didn't want a king for Israel. Israel wanted a king. And God said, all right, I'm giving you Saul. And once they got Saul, it's just been a big mess. Saul lacks character. Saul lacks integrity. Saul is full of pride. And... Um, your character matters. Somewhere along the way in Christianity, um, you know, when when a drunkard gets saved or an addict gets saved or, you know, a harlot gets saved or something of that nature and and they're changed, you know, folks think it's, uh, it, it's and it is, it's a great testimony of, of the change and saving grace of God. But the reality is um, those are all wonderful examples of God's grace. But that's not all. When God saves you, he, he cleans up being a liar and a cheat and makes you someone that keeps your word and has honor and integrity. And Saul had some issues in this regard, a lot of issues in this regard. So we'll start and... 1 Samuel chapter number 14. 1 Samuel 14. It's a very long, it's a lengthy chapter. I'm going to say 50, 52 verses. So it'll be the only chapter we cover. And then we go into 1 Samuel 15. And that's when God begins to basically uh, wipe his hands of Saul. And then we uh, finally, finally get to David in 1 Samuel 16. I'm I'm positive, and I like positive messages and positive preaching, and um, I'm ready to get to David. I don't know about you, but First Samuel 14, and uh, we'll define the terms along the way. Now, it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, so Jonathan will be Saul's son. You'll read that, that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, so... Jonathan would have uh, someone who would carry his armor. That's what an armor bearer is. They they carry the armor uh, from one location to the to another in in preparation of a fight. Basically, the logistics crew, if you please, 
And the Bible says, and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison. Now, garrison is a is a military fort. Okay, uh, it's typically a fixed military fort. And so uh, they say, let's go to the Philistines' fort. They're they're looking for a fight. They're they're attempting to win out against the Philistines, who who have been an ongoing nemesis. That is on the other side, but he told not his father. So uh, Jonathan doesn't feel like he can trust his father. Jonathan uh, probably knows the character of Saul better than anyone, or lack of character, and uh, he he doesn't feel as if he can trust his father. And so that being the case, um, he he doesn't tell his father about this. Uh, pursuit that they're about to have. That's interesting to me. You know, our children, our families, our closest to us, they know our character better than anyone. The folks at church, they see you on Sunday morning. Preacher sees you on Sunday morning, maybe occasionally at other times or speaks with you at other times, but Let's face it, they get the best of you. They get the very best of what you can put forward. But it's our families, it's our children, it's our loved ones, it's those that know us best, uh, that know our true character. And this is a prime example. And that's why folks a lot of times don't have any credibility with their kids because they see a portrayal one way in front of a church or in front of a preacher, in front of others, and a completely different person seemingly, uh, you know, at home or in other situations. And that's the situation here. Saul, ladies and gentlemen, has no character. He's not trustworthy. And his, uh, his son, Jonathan, has no confidence in him. So he doesn't tell him about he and the armor bearer going to uh, to the Philistine garrison. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron, and the people that were with him were about 600 men. So you got Jonathan and the armor bearer going against going up to the garrison of the Philistines, and you got Saul under uh, under a pomegranate tree with 600 people. And I and a Hai the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother. We remember Ichabod. And um, the Bible says the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. An ephod would be a priestly garment. It would be sleeveless and would kind of go over the chest area. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozaz, and the name of the other, Senna. The forefront of the one was situate northward over against Michmash, and the other southward over against Gibeah. Jonathan said to the young man, that bear his armor, come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. That would be the Philistines. Uh, it's a term that would be used as contempt uh, by Israelites referring to the Philistines, meaning just filthy people. 
uh, that it may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor-bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. They say thus unto us, Tarry until we come to you. Then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, Come up unto us, then we will go up. For the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them that discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines uh, said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel." So we, we, we see them basically sneaking into the camp. And as they're doing so, Jonathan, the Bible says in verse 13, climbed up, up, up his hands or up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men within as it were a half acre of land, which of a yoke of oxen might plow. And there was trembling in the uh, host in the field among all the people, the garrison and the spoilers, and they also trembled in the earthquake, so it was a very great trembling. So it's a, it's going to be, there, there's a fight brewing, basically. And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and they went on beating down one another. Then said Saul unto the people that, uh, so what, what happened is, is so we're coming to verse 18, and, and this, this will be uh, something that we've seen Israel do for a while. So verse 17, then said Saul unto the people that were with him, number now and see who is gone from us. So basically taking a head count who got killed in this battle. And when they had numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. So they're just now realizing that Jonathan and the uh, and the young armor bearer aren't present with them. And Saul said unto Ahi, Bring hither the ark of God, for the ark of God was at that time with the children of Israel. Look what they're doing. You see what they're doing? It's what they've been doing quite frequently, really. Um, basically using the the ark of god as a good luck charm they haven't used it prior they 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 are not serving god they're not honoring god god is not getting glory out of their lives or their decisions but um they just bring in the ark when they want a little good luck from god you know it's it's uh it's a lot like people today a battle ensues or battles upon them and let's let's bring God into the scene. We don't think about God otherwise. We don't worship God. We don't uh, live for God. But when a battle comes, let's look to God. Let's go to God. That's, that's what they're doing. Saul doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about the ark. He doesn't care about God's presence. 
But now that a battle is facing them, they go and get the ark to try to bring it into midst. midst. What they're doing, again, is using as a good luck charm, superstition. Lucky rabbit's foot, lucky cross, lucky wind charm, chime, or what just, just silly, superstitious stuff that God's people have no business partaking and practicing and putting faith and hope in. We have the Word of God and we've got the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We, we don't need good luck charms. But that's all the Ark of God had become to these people was a good luck charm. So the Bible says in verse 19, And it came to pass while Saul talked unto the priest that the noise that was in the host of the Philistines went on and increased. And Saul said unto the priest, Withdraw thine hand. And Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves. They came to the battle. Behold, every man's sword was against his fellow, and there was a very great discomfiture. Okay? Coming to verse 24. Verse 21 now. Moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went, went up into them into the camp from the country round about, even also turned to be with the Israelites that were with Saul and Jonathan. So some of the uh, so the Hebrews are turning and uh, working together. And likewise, all the men of Israel, which had hid themselves in Mount Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after them in the battle. So God has given victory in this situation. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over unto Beth Haven. Verse 24, now watch. The men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening, that I may be avenged on my enemies. So none of the people tasted any food. How wicked. These men had fought. They had labored. They were very distressed. They were tired. And Paul and Saul is thinking of himself. And he says, there is a curse upon anyone that, that eats anything this evening that I might be avenged on my enemies. So Saul, this, this is what rejects Saul by God. Saul is rejected by God at this point. Okay, uh, He's declared a day of fasting. Matter of fact, go back to chapter 13 and 14. Chapter 13, verse 14. But now thy kingdom, this is God speaking to Saul. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. The Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. So God has already rejected Saul at this point. Okay, But then we come to 24 and he is trying to declare a day of fasting and hope that some kind of outward form of piety would persuade God to come to Saul's help against his enemies. That's just like your modern-day church person, you know, your modern-day typical person that you deal with. And a lot of times, that no time, no room for God. God's already rejected Saul. But he says, bring the ark and let's fast. Do you see what they're doing? They're, they're seeking some kind of outward form of religion when there's no relationship or walk with God, people do that every week. Whether it's worship, it whether it's go to church, 
sing, preach, teach, give, whatever, spiritual talk. It's some kind of outward exercise in form of religion without a, a, a working and an inworking in their heart by God. That's what's taking place. God has rejected Saul. There's no need for him to bring the ark and there's no need to him to proclaim a day of fasting. Verse 25, And all they of the land came to wood, and there was honey upon the ground. The Bible says, And when the people were come into the wood, behold, the honey dropped, but no man put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. You see that? So Saul's manipulated these people. So the Bible says here, Jonathan, now I like this, this is his son. This is the son of Saul. Now watch this. Look with me. But Jonathan heard not that when his father charged the people with the oath, wherefore he put forth the end of the rod that was in his hand, and he dipped it in a honeycomb, and he put his hand to his mouth, and his eyes were enlightened. Then answered one of the people and said, Thy father straightly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food this day. And the people were faint. Then said Jonathan, My father hath trouble, troubled the land. See, I pray you how mine eyes have been enlightened because I tasted a little of this honey. So there is a proving there. What is the proving? That Saul's fast, Saul's outward show of religion, Saul's outward piety, it doesn't have an effect. There's nothing to it. There's no God blessing it. Because Jonathan goes in complete opposition of this fast, partakes of honey, and he's revived. Do you see that? That is God distinctly not acknowledging the outward religion of Saul. And God will not acknowledge outward religion if our inward heart is not correct and right with him. Saul had terrible character. He could not be trusted. And because of... Now, here's the thing. Saul, to the outward... I mean, they wanted him to be king. He's not the kind of guy running around on his wife. He's not getting drunk in the taverns. He's, he's not on drugs in the alley. But he doesn't have any character. He's a dishonest person. His word is no good. He's got no bearing with his own family. And so God rejects him. The Bible says in verse 30, verse 30, how much more if happily the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies which they had found? For had there not been much great slaughter among the Philistines, and they smoked the Philistines that day from Michmash to Agilon, and the people were very faint. And the people flew upon the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slew them on the ground. And the people did eat them with the blood. Then they told Saul, saying, Behold, the people sin against... Okay, um, now, the eating of the blood is a violation of the word of God. You see, they've got no understanding, no concern or care whatsoever of the scriptures. And so what we see, according to verse 32, they, they ate the blood. Now, this is, this is not meat itself. This is, this, is base, this is taking the blood that should have been... Uh, used for sacrifice, and they're they're basic. They're taking it upon themselves. 
And that is in defilement of what God desired from Leviticus 17, 10 through 14. So, uh, the Bible says, And Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people, and say unto them, Bring me hither every man his ox, every man his sheep, and slay them here and eat, and sin not against the Lord in eating with the blood. And all the people brought every man his ox with him that night, and slew them there. And Saul built an altar unto the Lord. The same was the first altar that he built unto the Lord. He's never even... Do you, do you see how detailed the scriptures are concerning the lack of character in in the in Saul and others when someone does it's very detailed this is the first altar that Saul's ever built he has been king over Israel he has played religious games there's never been anything spiritual in his life unless for some reason he needs God and therefore he only looks to God or at God as some kind of good luck charm or something that you turn to when you need him. And God's not playing that, just to put it in our vernacular. And he's going through all this outward piety, and and the Bible's very clear. This is the first time that Saul's ever built an altar. Verse 36, And Saul said, Let us go down after the Philistines by night, Spoil them until the morning. Let us not leave a man of them. They said, Do whatever seemeth good unto thee. Then said the priest, Let us draw near near hither unto God. And Saul asked counsel of God, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into the hand of Israel? But he answered him, Not that day. God's not speaking to Saul. Do you ever have trouble getting an answer from God? Direction from God? Check your character. So I ain't running down to the bars and I ain't on I ain't on drugs and I ain't this. Check your character. Check your spiritual life, your inward man. The Bible says here, uh verse number uh thirty-eight, and Saul said, Draw you hither, all the chief of the people, and no See wherein this sin hath been this day. For as the Lord liveth, Saul, Saul talking about the Lord, uh, which saveth Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall, shall surely die. But there was not a man among all the people that answered him. So now he's lost the respect of the people. Then said he unto all Israel, Be ye on one side, and I and Jonathan my son will be on the other side. And the people said unto Saul, Do what seemeth unto thee good. Good unto thee. Therefore Saul said unto the Lord, God of Israel, Give a perfect lot. And Saul and Jonathan were taken, but the people escaped. And Saul said, Cast lots between me and Jonathan, my son. And Jonathan was taken. So casting lots, was it was, it was kind of a common practice in the Old Testament uh, to learn the will of God. Why? Because there was no completed word of God at that time. And... Um, Sometimes it was used with Urim and the and the Thummim, and uh, but after the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in Christians, the casting of lots is no longer needed. You hear that? Good luck charms are no longer needed. Hocus pocus and things like that. That stuff's no longer needed. We've got the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. 
because the Holy Spirit lives within a believer and it teaches us the will of God through his word. Then Saul said to Jonathan, verse 43, Tell me what thou hast done. And Jonathan told him, and he said, I did but taste a little honey with the end of the rod that was in mine hand, and lo, I must die. So it's even to the place that Jonathan's feeling like he must die because he's violated this this made-up covenant that his father had supposedly sworn by, but God never acknowledged it. Then Saul went up from the following the the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. So Saul took the kingdom over Israel and fought against all his enemies on every side against Moab and against the children of Ammon and against Edom and against the kings of Zobah and against the Philistines. And whithersoever he turned himself, he vexed them. And he gathered an host and smote the Amalekites and delivered Israel out of the hands of them that spoiled them. Now the soul, sons of Saul were Jonathan and Ishui and Melchishai, and the names of his two daughters were these, the name of the firstborn Merib and the name of the younger Michael. Her name will come back to us. And the name of Saul's wife was Ahinion, the daughter of Ahimaaz, and the name of the captain of his host was Abner, the son of Ner. Abner will come back as well. Saul's uncle, Kish, was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. And there was sore war against the Philistines all the days of Saul. So it was basically war the entire time. No peace. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him unto him. So, Saul's just a mess. I mean, there's about five places here where he's violated the word of God. He has committed religious practice without anything in his heart. So what are we learning with Saul? We are learning that your character and your integrity and your walk with God is what matters. Not the outward show, not the outward function, but the inward person. And God is totally rejecting Saul. I'll tell you what I want for me and what I want for you. I want God to hear our prayer. I want us to walk with God. I want us to have fellowship. I want us to know the will of God. And that is accomplished, ladies and gentlemen, through God working in our character, through our own communion and fellowship, and walk with God throughout our lives, throughout the days, throughout the weeks. Not just using God when we need Him, not just using Him as a good luck charm, not just bringing in a, um, an ark when we think we need it, not just call, you know, calling a fast when it's a good time, not just trying to hear from the Lord when you need something, but an everyday walk in fellowship with God. And if you do that, if you make your attempt at that being your life, God will always be near to you and fight the battles for you, and you'll always be able to hear from him. So that's our desire. That's our hope. That's our plea. And I hope you've enjoyed uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14, and we have spoken today on Saul's lack of character. And we will be talking to you on, or of course we'll have Sunday morning services, and then 
Sunday night podcast, and we'll come to chapter 15, and we're finally going to be done with Saul and move on to David as we go into chapter 16. So I hope you've had a great week, and I love each one of you. Walk with God daily, and don't wind up like Saul. Good night.